Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 13, Sean Jenright, Soul Rebel, Act 3, recorded November 16th, 2017, in Oakland, California. All prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, TA listeners. Courtney J. Body here. I want to tell you about an interesting experience I had this summer and to let you know that we are, we here at Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body are looking to continue to um, share different kinds of organizations, partner with organizations that are having a, a keen interest in art artists and Uh, teaching artists specifically. And I want to tell you about an experience that I had this summer with an organization called Three Arts. Three Arts, they have a mission uh, of advocating for Chicago's women artists, artists of color, and artists with disabilities who work in the performing, teaching, and visual arts by providing unrestricted cash awards project funding, residency fellowships, professional development, and promotion. Three Arts helps artists take risks, experiment, and build momentum in their careers. So I was on a panel this summer to determine uh, the teaching artists who would receive this award, and there were about 25 and then they ultimately um, create, uh, cho- we chose two, and there were other panels that chose um, a total of 10. And um, they just announced their uh, awardees earlier in November. And so I thought I'd just share a little bit more about the process and this organization that I'm really excited about, frankly. Um, you know, this podcast really focused on supporting artists and um, and the artists who teach. And what I was really impressed by was this, that this organization, um, which I can't really tell you the entire history and, in, in, you know, great clarity, but from what my understanding is that the organization started uh, a very long time ago, over a hundred years ago and was made, um, to support women, uh, at a time when, 
uh, being single and wanting to pursue any sort of career, especially in the arts, was not necessarily uh, what a woman w- was expected to do. And so what I love is that this particular organization and its mission is to sustain and promote artists within the six-county Chicago metropolitan area, but more importantly, that it stems from this need uh, for a diverse a diversity of voices and visions to be supported. And what I ultimately love is that this award that they provide these 10 artists each year is that it is completely unrestricted. And so they're really, they're trying to support these artists who um, can use the, the money however they wish. And that could mean a myriad of things, right? It could mean um, focusing on their future or saving or paying off debt or purchasing some sort of equipment um, and or hiring or building a team of some sort for a particular project that they have. Um, what What I thought was most impressive about this organization, and there were a lot of things to be impressed by, was that while this arts award had had, the three arts award had been around for a while, they, they developed um, an award for teaching artists. Um, and Esther Grimm talks about the fact that, um, that the teaching artist category uh, came about to fulfill uh, like multiple, multiple goals. Um, they wanted to call attention to the importance of, of the work of teaching artists and what they do in different communities like prisons, after school programs, hospitals, schools, et cetera, and working with creative aging. But also that, you know, teaching artists, as we talk about on this podcast, have very little financial security. And frankly, I could use $25,000. I could use the also the kind of support um, that the the panelists, or sorry, the candidates uh, who win, what they receive. So not only do they get the $25,000 that is unrestricted, but they also get this professional development. Um, So they get to go to formal workshops to help gain valuable um, career building skills, um, looking at um, different kinds of planning and uh, strategic planning and, um, you know, also they can get um, feedback on some of their work and coaching. They also have the opportunity to think about financial planning and um, they have fellowships. They, they have this thing where they have a crowdsource funding platform that all the awardees have access to. So it's a it's um, an opportunity to fundraise for a particular project with strong support. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, as somebody who works a full-time job and multiple jobs, frankly, um, yeah, I could use all of those things. I think we all could. And so I think that, and frankly, often artists are sort of, you know, flailing in the wind, so to speak, meaning they are up to their own devices and maybe they find a community or a network or an association that can support them in certain ways. But I love that uh, three arts has the, the um, foresight, the infrastructure to be able to support these artists um, in really strong ways. So I don't know if the um, if when somebody gets nominated and then they have to su- supply or you know answer um, an app have to submit an application, I don't know if they understand what all they're going to get, or if they do, um, they must be so excited. I know I would be. 
Um, so if you haven't, if you haven't heard of three arts, that's my little plug for them. Um, check them out at three arts.org. And, um, I'm hoping that the two teaching artists that received the award in 2018 will be able to be a part, uh, that I'll be able to interview them in the future. That is my goal. Um, so the, the people that we finally came down to, and it was a very difficult process because they were such strong candidates and, uh, oof, it was hard, but I think we chose, chose well. Um, so the awardees for the teaching artist award, uh, or teaching arts is Leda Garcia, AKA lady soul. And she is a, a street dance professional and Elgin Bokhari Smith, who is uh, an artist and social activist. Um, he's a f- visual artist. And so, uh, like I said, I'm hoping to be able to showcase them um, on this podcast in the future. And I leave us with a little thought about um, I have this thing, <laughs> I've been having this thing about, um, you know, artists infiltrating, embedding in all aspects of our lives and that teaching arts and teaching artists um, have some special skills, I think, that we can be maximizing on to help help some of the discord and the um, disconnects, I, I guess, that we're experiencing in, in our society at the moment. I'm... I'm Hopeful, as I have said many times, I'm hopeful. I'm also scared and um, angry at times, but I'm more hopeful than anything else when I really, really think about it. Uh, Again, I want to thank all of you for um, coming along with us on the ride in 2018, and there is plenty more to come in 2019. I hope you've been enjoying my interview with Sean Jinright. Um, this is a bonus act <laughs> um, where it actually happened in the middle of the interview, but I thought I'd save it for last. Um, so Sean has, since we've met him or I've met him, um, he has exclaimed that he's not an artist. However, when it comes to talking about being an artist, Sean is definitely an onion. Just bit by bit, he started to share his engagement as a kid with the arts. And overall, I mean, it's very clear that he has a great deal of respect for the arts and artists. He loves jazz and music. He, has, um, he goes to see theater and reads a lot, reads tons of literature. And he mentions James Baldwin and... Um, And ultimately, he shares his approach to storytelling and reveals a little more than he expected about his own artistry. Check out this final act and its surprising twists. Here is episode 13, Sean Jinright, Soul Rebel, Act 3. In terms of the arts, you you, you said that you're not an artist, but... I disagree, okay. and I actually heard you disagree with yourself well, the other day. Well, because I had to learn about my artistic t- storytelling. So, so. yeah, talk, talk. That's how I see you. I see you as a storyteller. Um, so, how has that journey been for you in terms of 
of being with artists and, and starting to recognize your own artistry? Uh, well, it's well. At first, it was inti- imita- intimidating, mm-hmm. like you know, like oh, they're artists. They actually, they can actually create things, right? So, and I, I guess it comes from a just a deep respect for art. Like, um, trained as an academic, about five years ago, I recognized well, pretty longer than five years ago. I just you're you're trained in a way to be so analytical. It shapes your language, and your language, your language is restricted on how you think and describe the real world, right, as an academic. And so um, I began to reread, like, James Baldwin and folks that inspired me. Mm-hmm. And so he was an artist. Yes. And so um, really feeling like I want to stretch my wings. And so storytelling is, we call it case um, case studies mm-hmm. in, acad- in academics. but storytelling is my way of putting my toe in the kind of water, right? And so um, we actually hired a brother that was working for Flourish Agenda. He was an amazing actor, but he, he's just and a wonderful writer. His name is Carville Wallace. And he began to actually talk about these things called three-act plays or three-act, there's, there's a, you know, there's this scene and there's this tension and then it's resolved. I guess you probably know the basics, right? It's like, like probably beyond 101 to you, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't know if I know. I mean, there's, there's this, the, the arc Aristotle's, a, you know, um, arc of, arc of a play. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's the, there's the denouement, which is at the end. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but. There's the climax, yeah, yeah, the yeah, conflict, yeah. the climax, yes. the denouement. Yeah, he didn't call it that, but no. it was like, <laughs> there's this thing that happens first, mm-hmm. and then there's this tension and climax, yeah. and then it's resolved. Yes, yes. Right? And that, like, generally, and so then I actually began to sort of mm-hmm. look at stories and read stories, and there's this whole thing. So anyway, I try to, like, use that as That's a way smart. of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, it's fun. But, you know, like, my one of my favorite stories is the one where you go to the prison, yeah. and the guy, this big, like... Yeah, and so those, so these are real, these are like, these are not like made up stories. So these are real stories Mm -hmm. that, um, that happened to me and I kind of reflect on them and what they mean and try to, and try to, um, tell the stories as they happen, but also with my insight and lessons from them. Mm -hmm. So that, that story was real. The story of my daughter. Um, I got a lot of them, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't yeah, told them. But being able to use that as a template, I mean, you'd be really good at, at uh, a moth, a, mo- a moth. I just went real Long Island. Wow. A moth? Uh, the moth. The moth. Um, have you heard? The moth. You have not heard of the moth. All right, you need okay. to look that up. The moth. The moth is a, a really great organization that has wonderful podcasts, okay. um, but also has an education program. Um, but it's all about people telling their own real stories, their stories. Um, and they'll have events that happen all around the country. The Moth. The Moth. Okay. M-O-T-H. Yes. The Moth. All right. Storytelling. I think really? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they have a whole criteria for how you put together a story. Really? And it seems, it seems pretty similar to what you're... Um, talking about um really? anyway i have often I thought when i'm it. listening to you tell a story i'm like oh you'd be 
read on the moth. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. I'm gonna look at it. Yeah, take a look. All right. I'm gonna. I'm, I always. Um, I have to feel. I'm gonna say I feel really good about giving you resources. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's about learning, right? I'm, yes. I'm, I, I'm always open to learning new things, and absolutely, mm-hmm. the moth. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the artist way. And the artist way. You yeah. see. Because they're very applicable to the kinds of work that you're trying to do. And, and and it's similar to what I was saying before, right? We are bringing in people who aren't necessarily artists, yeah. but will help us do our jobs better. Yeah. It's a similar kind of concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I look for. I try to, yeah. you know, I think we should pursue things outside of our discipline and then figure out how to... There's this book. I'll give you a book. This Good. book called... Um, the Medici effect. Medici. It's spelled M E C C. M E C C. Oh man, Jesus, Medici. M E D I C C I or M I yeah Medici effect. Medici is a family in Florence. Mm-hmm. It's a book. Um, brilliant, brilliant brother by the name of Franz Johansson, I think. Um, but it's about this idea of how you have quantum leaps in your thinking when you take a concept from a discipline outside of your own and then figure out what it means for yours. Yes. And the way and and the more that that happens, the more you expand the possibility of how you think. It's a really excellent book. I, I recommend it to everyone. That's great. The Medici effect. So your notion of master classes and how you're talking about master classes mm-hmm. and what they do is is the basis, basis of what you're talking about is, is is here, yeah. And they give really great examples from business and, and from social issues, you know. But it's a great, really good book. Did you find it? No, I wasn't looking at oh. it. I was, just, I was looking at my, my line of questions. Oh, my okay. line of inquiry, okay. making okay. sure we're on track. Okay, all right. Um, but thank you for that. That's actually uh, great. I will look it up. Um, I So... You say that you go to a, you go to things like art events. So, can we take you back? I want to take you way back to your childhood. Oh, shoot. So you grew up in Florida. You said I did. I did. Um, did how were the arts presence present in your in your life growing up? As a child. Um... You know the only, the, you know the only way, the only thing I could really think about that was normal and regular in terms of arts is mm-hmm. just music. Like, um, you know, my my father loved jazz. He was a jazz aficionado, and as a child, um, uh, he he would uh, he would relax. He would put the big headphones on, turn the hi fi on, and I could just see him drift away mm-hmm. and lay on the shag floor and drift and I wanted to drift with him and so I would go and and probably disrupt him but I wanted to hear Mm -hmm. and you know I was exposed to Miles listening to those riffs and and so he would do that um he still talks about that Mm -hmm. how I would do that and so that was regular and he collected jazz um he had a um uh he had a whole, <clears throat> whole boxes and boxes and boxes of jazz albums. He used to collect them, 
And so when I went to college, um, that's, so that's how I learned to have a, a love for jazz. Mm -hmm. But when, when I went off to college, I would still... I wouldn't steal them, right? But I would take the album, some of the albums with them. me. Yeah, I would borrow those <laughs> albums. Stanley Turrentine, mm. you know, and Miles Davis, and, you know, Delonious Monk. And I would just take them in my apartment and play them and listen to them. And, um, yeah, so that was consistent. My exposure to and appreciation of jazz definitely came from my father's mm -hmm. love for jazz. My, my mom and dad also opened a rep record shop in the 70s. Right? Cool. Yeah, that, that was, that's when we sold records, right? Yeah. And so it was, you know, I guess we had that record shop for a couple of years. And so my, I guess, so my understanding of art was probably most through music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anything in school, do you play an instrument? Oh, I didn't, you know, this is one I want to hold back. But when I was in, I was probably in seventh grade, and my aunt, oh, I have a whole long, long story. So when I was younger, um, my mother and father um, and my aunt were clear that I was going to be an actor. Yeah, they were just like, you're going to be an actor. So they would take me up to auditions into, into L.A. And they would, I would be auditioning for commercials. Oh. And I hated it. I didn't want to do it. I was just like, I don't want to do it. And so one time... They were clear I got this Coca-Cola um, commercial, but I didn't, I just sat there. I didn't, I, I, the guy would say, say this, say that. And I said it, but I didn't really want, I mean, I wanted to blow it. So my mom and dad were mad at me, was driving back home. And my dad said, you really showed your ass today, huh? I'm like, yeah, I didn't want to do it. And so they kept pushing me into the, you know, not theater. Uh, so that led to a, a, a uh, a care I played a I played a uh, a kid in a play called The Last of Mrs. Lincoln, which is about the wife of Abraham Lincoln and her story. And so I was a kid lead lead not lead, but I was a you know I was, I was about a character. Yeah, yeah, in like that play, it is a Riverside Community Theater, mm -hmm. and I did theater. So, you're really bringing this back now. I actually did children's theater in Riverside. I didn't even realize that was shit to bring all this back. Yeah, I did children's theater in Riverside. Um, we did plays. Mm -hmm. uh, we did all these little activities to like understand characters and yeah. Uh, I took speech classes or articulation stuff. Mm -hmm. God, why are you bringing all this back? <laughs> yeah, I did. My aunt got me into all that, yeah. and my mom and dad wanted me to do that, and so. When, when you know who Todd Bridges is? Yeah. Todd Bridges. When Todd Bridges got the, um, got the part for, um, what's his name? Uh, Different Strokes. Mm -hmm. My parents were just like, that should have been you. That should have been you. Wait, did you audition for yes, that? Yes, yes. That should have been wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. That should have been wait, you. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. You auditioned to be a part well, I wasn't. of that show. Well, Different Strokes. I didn't know what it was that show. But you auditioned. Yeah. I, my mind is like, I don't even know what to say. I love that show. A. Maybe it was, and, maybe it was, maybe, I think it was that. It was years ago. Well, he, he was also on um, Little House on the Prairie just before that. Oh, I used to I watch recall. that. Yeah. I that show. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't get it. Wow. 
Wow. So so was what it. was it? What was it about? Like so, did you enjoy wow, being you bring in the play? I back. love this. Yeah, I, I can't believe I just shared that. <laughs> I with love you. it. I love it. Um, that's what this is about. I'm just because I'm really interested in how being I in was, the arts has influence over what we yeah. end up choosing to do in our lives, and 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 how we bring arts into our. Into our everyday life. I did. I did. Actually, that was. That is actually. Now that you say it, yeah. My aunt and my mom, and not so much my dad, but he was there too. But Mm -hmm. they were really pushing me into LA every other month. We like every few weeks audition this and then I'm like, I don't want to do it. Then I was in the Riverside plays, the children's theater, and then the adult play because I was the only kid in the adult play. Oh. So you were. Good. Well, I was I was doing it. I don't. So, but what was the difference between being on on stage in these auditions for the television? It seems like there was, you didn't. I, well, it wasn't the television. I mean, it wasn't. It was it, for me. It was sitting in a room and just saying these things. It wasn't like I was, yeah. like I'm gonna. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, it wasn't like an audition for the TV. It was yeah. like, hi, Sean. Tell me your name. My name is Sean. Okay. Can you read this? And then. Okay, and you just do it, right? So that's that's what it was for me at right. the time. I didn't I didn't see it as like TV show. It wasn't like cameras and shit. I understand exactly. It was yeah. like you know mm-hmm. that's what it was. About. It took ten minutes, <laughs> and then the plays were a lot different because it was you know it was more more kids involved. It was funner and that kind of stuff. So it, does that make I, sense? It totally makes sense <laughs> from my perspective. You know, just starting to get to know you. As somebody who you're interested in transformational relationships and actually making deeper connections with people, as a kid, there's something about being a part of a community and doing some plays on stage because we're in this together yeah. as opposed to sitting in a room and somebody telling you, yeah. read this. And that feels probably very false. And yeah. just like, what is this? Why? I'd rather I'm, be. I never would have put that together. Yeah. But it it is honestly, really truly happened. But what do you think, what was it about your parents who were like, Pushing you to why why or your aunt? They they um well we were in L A you know outside of L A and so you know I suspect that they you know I was a charismatic kid I guess and I guess they suspect that that they wanted me to to go in that direction. Um, I still have pictures. I should ask. I'm gonna go. I'm going to home, my, going home this week. I should look at those pictures. I might just send you one. Send me one. Like please. I literally have like a Coca Cola picture ah! in bell bottom, like my Coca Cola headshot thing with the baseball bat and the big afro. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I send it to you. See that so badly. I'm gonna send it to you. Make sure I get your number. I'm gonna oh, text it to yes. you. Yeah, okay. we got got those headshots. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so they probably wanted. You know, they just probably saw an opportunity for yeah. me to. To get into that space, you know. Yeah, totally. And I, I didn't, I didn't. um, So when that show happened, every time I used to watch it with my mom and dad, you know, you know that could have been you. (laughs) Now I'm like, well, dad, actually, you know, I'm okay right now. I'm doing pretty good. And yeah, but that could have been you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's a guilt trip, huh? The fact that I'm doing okay in high school and. Playing football, so I actually went into sports. That's went what into sports. Yeah. So football, football, else? football mostly. Mostly, yeah. yeah, football. Yeah. yeah, as a kid, I, I, I loved 
putting on little plays in my house and I my parents didn't get me to a place where I was auditioning even though I wanted them to I wanted them to and they were like no just be a kid you'll be fine like do the school plays you'll be fine if that's what you want to do later that's fine um and I just I desperately wanted to be uh, on stage uh, at all times (laughs) it's such a trip that I honestly hadn't had this thought in Mm -hmm. probably 40 years like I hadn't thought about that part of my life (laughs) Like, yeah, I actually was on stage. Mm-hmm. That's so, yes, and it, that's, I'm glad you pushed but me. But I also love the idea of, like, you and your dad listening to jazz together and that being, like, a, a very like, nice father-son moments, but also just, like, the fact that then you're, like, you're siphoning and borrowing from him. Yeah, and that, yeah. That, that went on into, into college. Yeah. Um, did you play football in college? I did not play in college. I played in high school. Mm-hmm. Um... They bought me a drum set. I play drums. Yeah. You keep saying you're not an artist. Yeah, but but I you know this is this is this is a, yeah. I bought a drum. They bought me a drum set. But my yeah. But you know it's a trip, Courtney. Wow, this is so deep that you like bringing all this stuff up. What's such a trip is, yeah. I would play the drums. Boo, you know. I had a little yeah. But I never like. I was in a band. I was in junior high school band. Like I learned how to read music a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that part, yeah, I was exposed to the arts. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Okay. You're going to like, you're going to go, oh, shit. So, um, my wife, her mother is a magnificent or was a magnificent um, um, artist. She draws and sells paintings and, you know, that kind of stuff. Two blocks from here is probably the, the, the most... Um, not important, but the most, the best high school, school of the arts mm-hmm. in California. Both my kids go there. So my son went there, took up film, and he, you heard of Young Arts? Yeah, yeah. So he, he got into, he got like accepted into Young Arts and did all, that whole thing. Went down to CCSA. This is all in high school. CCSA? Is California School for... It's an art school. It's okay. like a prestigious art school. So he goes there for the summer. So now he's a film major at UCLA. Right. My daughter, <laughs> this is the true story. So my daughter is at that school. She's a senior right now. She's taking up fashion and all that stuff. And so she's applying to art schools and, you know, other, you know, universities right now. So, so it all comes back to yes. So your question has your question has many layers. Well, that was my next letter. Is how how the you know as a family you have a great son, a wonderful daughter, a beautiful wife. You guys have you seem to have it all. <laughs> um, how are yeah? How are the arts present as the kids were growing up and and, and for you and Nedra? Yeah. The, um, so we always say, how did our kids become artists? Because mm-hmm. like her parents are like development professionals and that <laughs> stuff, right? But. Um, Nedra has always had a because she grew up with making stuff and making art because mm-hmm. of her mother. Like she's, her mother just saturated her life with that. Mm-hmm. So her, Nedra expresses that through design, like mm-hmm. interior decorating, and you know. So our house, like our our interiors, like all decorated, like you know. Anyway, so she no white walls. <laughs> 
right? But she's a she. So she expresses that through her decorating, mm-hmm. um, and we suspect, of course, that our children, who who the only reason we sent them to Oakland School of the Arts because it was a good charter school mm-hmm. um, in Oakland that was free, <laughs> and oh, so wow, that's great. yeah, and mm-hmm. so um, we we sent them there and. We thought it would be great to get a good education, but they actually are real serious about art. They're not like, okay, here's a 45 minute, after your academic, here's 45 minutes of your, your emphasis, your piano lessons. No, it's like four hours a day or five hours a day. And then it's, it's really serious. I love that I got to jar your memory. You did. And... Um, it is, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, my parents used to say, or my dad used to say, you know, the reason why you like theater is because I love theater. And I used to be in all the plays. And I was like, that's not why. But <laughs> as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, it probably was because we used to go, they used to bring us to see theater a lot, yeah. Broadway and off-Broadway. And um, and we'd go to my, um, my dad's high school and see the shows there. And all of that made me want to be a part of that. Mm. Um, and so it's, it is interesting that even though you didn't necessarily pursue acting as a, as a career, but having that um, between the jazz and the arts and, uh, sorry, and theater, having that be part of and drumming, <laughs> being somewhat in your life that yeah. you, it seems, at least with you and Nedra, like when your kids start to um, note, this is what I want to do in terms of the arts, were you nervous for them? Were you, what was your No, response? you know, I think with my son, um, I remember the first time he he introduced himself as an artist. He was 13. And I, we were doing some youth development stuff, and he was in his, we were actually in Puerto Rico, and, and all the kids were introduced. And he said, my name is Takai, and I'm an artist. And I was like, really? So when I saw how seriously he pursued his love for photography and film and filmmaking, and he starts making films, like, just because he likes making films yeah. and buying equipment and on his own, I'm like, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. And then he actually got, um, you know, when he got in Young Arts and did all this other stuff, and then when he was at, now he's at UCLA, so I was like, that's, you do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't ever nervous. Um, no, because I, I, I believe that they've been put here to do something, so they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Thank you for listening to episode 13, act three of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Sean Ginwright, Soul Rebel. Join us in the new year, 2019, for a conversation with Gene Johnstone, executive director of the Teaching Artists Guild. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and now on Instagram at teaching artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.